Hello and welcome to Sex Time. Welcome to Sex Time. Hi, Badger. Hey, Kelly. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's a day, it's a week, it's a year. How are you? I feel the same. We've both had quite a week, um, you especially. Every week is quite a week. I feel like this is our story. Every time we're like, guess what important and or traumatic and or tiring thing has happened now? Yeah, it's like so much stuff. Ugh. We don't have to get into it. Leave them guessing. I guess so. I just think like, I want to hearken back to simpler times, but I know if it was like Little House on the Prairie ages, there would be just as much like fuckery to deal with it would just be different and worse because of no dentists did you read the books i read part of one of the books when i was 10 and then i put it down because it was it was not for me (laughs) i read the whole series multiple times um so it was written as a fictional adaptation of laura ingalls wilder's childhood and they were gradually moving west throughout her childhood um and one thing that (laughs) stuck with me was that they had a homestead and um i don't know what tribe but there were native americans who were moving um through the area and this has been years since i've read it so i may not have the specifics correctly but she saw a little indian baby and she wanted it like she wanted to take it well i read i tried to my mom tried to get me into those um but then I read a part where their play toy was a pig's bladder that was blown up Mm -hmm. and tied off Mm -hmm. and I was 10 and thought this sucks I don't want to read about these sad sad people and their lack of toys anymore (laughs) yeah yeah and ma and pa and they're all stuck together in one room for a lot of it yeah they're, they're just stuck together. And when I was at this age, like, my family was globally fractured. <laughs> so that didn't seem normal for them to live in one room together. And it didn't seem good. So there are no such thing as simpler times. No. There's just times when we weren't as able to talk about it as constantly. And maybe a brief period in history when there really was just an eight-hour workday and that's all people did i feel like there was probably a day in the 90s that was good well for us i imagine for white men it's different <laughs> all the times were good times every day is a good day to be a white man mm-hmm. a cis straight white man yeah let's be clear who we're talking about here we're talking about the enemy <laughs> the mediocre ones who don't know how mediocre they are and never oh my, will oh my god <laughs> uh, so mediocre anyway um i feel like we're both a little deflated right now so this should be fun i'm not too bad i mean i didn't go into work today so it's always a, a big plus So um, to kind of keep all of those people, all like apparently 15 people who are listening, uh, kind of updated on where we are in our lives, I started therapy today, Mm -hmm. which uh, was a good experience, but the aftermath is that I felt very drained, and then I went to work and was trying to like just do work, and it was not happening. 
that was not a great uh, ending of my day. Maybe look at afternoon therapy. My next appointment is in the after, it's after work. That's good. Um, and then, but you had something really great happen this week. Yes. I finally graduated from the women's strength program, which I think I have been in for the entire duration of this podcast. That might be. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, oh, I've never been busier in my life. Let's start a podcast. Yeah. You were the one who like brought up like, hey, didn't we talk about doing a podcast? And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> you really want to do this right now? Because I, I think this is evidence that you are a little bit masochistic. Sometimes I have an idea and sometimes it just gets out of hand. Sometimes it's do a podcast. Sometimes it's destroy the patriarchy and topple normal hierarchies in an office place. Sometimes it's learn to cross stitch. It can be all kinds of things and it all gets out of hand. And the important thing is all of these things, as you're doing them, you are furious. Just a ball of rage (laughs) it's how I live my life so um I decided to adopt one to rescue one guinea pig and help for one day with a guinea pig rescue and now look and this is why you can't say yes to anything else ever again because I know how you are which is you can't just dip your toe in you're all in so you can't even test it out. You, you're you're done helping people. It's how I live my life. Are you? But you're so tired. I am. But I only have one life to give to everyone. You don't have to be the one who gives your life to everyone. You get you can give it to like some, and that's enough. Yeah, and I only give it to some guinea pigs and women and art. My so- art. I am so lucky I'm a woman because I don't know how it would be to be a man around you. Um, I think if you were a man around me, you would feel slightly like incidental to the whole process. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that must really mess with their egos. Well, I'm mostly just with Jordan and he's super chill all the time. Yeah, Jordan is an anomaly. He doesn't seem to have like so much of the like hyper masculine narrative bearing down on him he's like hey whatever mm-hmm. he's like pretty chill he's not going to be like well i'm a man and that means x y and z he's more like uh whatever you want to do <laughs> actually there is something funny about that uh we were um making fun of the patriarchy and for a while whenever i'd like check him when we were in the apartment he would pretend to get angry and say how dare you emasculate me and then with a (laughs) sweeping gesture he'd gesture to all the pets and say in front of the babies (laughs) (laughs) jordan is good he will be spared yes he's very precious um but i'm having a little trouble coming up with the rest of the list you know Wait, what's happening? Oh, oh the, for the, the men will spare the merciful, right? Yeah. Um, we can spare anyone on our shout out list. Okay. So you, me, Emily, who's real, and uh, sends her regards. I actually asked her if she would record on this podcast. She ironically is out getting drinks with a group of women. 
On a Thursday? She works retail. Oh. She's she's doing the things that I used to do. Go out with more than one person. Yeah. <laughs> Overrated. Yeah. We'll have um we are getting people who want to be on this and um it's kind of exciting, but we have um I think officially decided that Emily should be the first person on mm-hmm. if, if for no other reason than to prove that she's real. Yes. And she told me to tell you something uh, that she came up with. She said, Badger, a house divided cannot stand. And that's a real quote from Emily. Who's real. Are you sure that like, yep. That's not yep. like Lincoln yep. maybe. Okay. Okay. So we'll spare her easy. Uh, Lisa will got on that list somehow. Uh, and Taylor mm-hmm. on that list somehow. And I am hearing about other people who are listening that I wasn't aware of. And I'm going to compile a, a list of them and we'll shout them out as well in the future. Okay. Yeah. Your friend who wanted to be on the podcast. So I opened Twitter and had like 20 notifications from a thread. And I think your friend Brittany was drunk. She was. She hasn't listened to us at all yet, but she, so she posted that she wanted somebody to interview her. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, we have a venue for that. (laughs) Um, And she's never watched Sex in the City. Um, So that's even better. (laughs) So in the future, we'll probably try to get her on. Yeah. Um, If she remembers any of that, I actually thought it was her bot account that was tweeting. (laughs) Yeah. She does have a bot account that is like a Pomeranian like uh, an actualized Pomeranian. Anyway, we know really interesting people and they take a lot of work to explain. So I'm not going to bother. My people are easy to explain. Emily's real. Taylor's Jordan's only friend. Uh, Will is my mento. That's it. Okay. Should we do this? Yeah. I just watched all these episodes minutes ago. So I will remember like 40% of what I saw. So... Um, as usual, we are going to start with Sex in the City. And before we get into the specific episode we're discussing, um, if you don't already follow our Twitter, which is at SextimePod, um, I put out a poll today about the episodes we are um, reviewing, watching, reviewing, and um, asked for people to provide input on what we would be discussing today. Um, two of the options were more Sex in the City focused and two were more Adventure Time focused. Uh, the sex and the city ones were um, white feminism and then uh, poor communication. And then the adventure time ones, I can't remember. One of them was like being a lazy dog and one was like heroism. I can't remember. I can't remember. You know what? And it doesn't matter because they lost. We had, <laughs> we had a tie of two votes each for white feminism and for poor communication. So wow. we, need, we need to talk about those things today. Both of them. Oh, okay. I don't think it'll be hard. No. Especially the poor communication part. Yep. So this is uh, season one, episode 11, I believe, called The Drought. Yep, it is called The Drought. The theme is that... Um... Nobody is having very much sex except for Carrie's neighbors who are exhibitionists. Um, so this is another one of those 
episodes where the plots all just magically align and in one way or another everybody's kind of experiencing the same thing so carrie um has been getting more comfortable with big and um spending the night there and you know kind of letting down some of their pretenses that you have in the early dating phase um and she accidentally um farts in front of him and then coincidentally or whatever if you the next time she's spending the night there he doesn't want to he doesn't want to make love as she says so she thinks it's connected so that's one not getting laid story um miranda hasn't um had any sex in three months um samantha is really interested in this this yoga instructor named siddhartha (laughs) who is definitely a white guy oh um and he is a practicing celibate he has a bowl haircut and two stud earrings yeah and he convinces her that the um the rush you get from celibacy means it's way better than ever having sex again and so she's like tempted by it and then um charlotte is dating a guy who used to be very active and had previously been dating carrie like years and years before so it wasn't like a big drama issue but he is on prozac so he has no libido essentially so the stars all align in new york city and none of the girls are getting laid Mm -hmm. that is what the episode is about i don't even know if we need to talk about it that much i want to know what you thought uh, I thought it was a bad episode of a bad show about bad people. <laughs> Go on. I think it's very apparent that Cynthia Nixon was being coded as a lesbian even then. Because she's got like several lines about humping her girlfriends or if your friends won't go down on you, who will? So I guess that's interesting. Do you think that she ends the series having some sort of um, awakening about her sexuality and that she will end the series maybe with a woman as a partner or something like that. That would be nice to see. Um, so I think real life Cynthia Nixon at the time was um, married to a man I believe mm. and therefore she either was um, She, I don't think she was openly out that's for sure that came later but um, she, I don't know, she might actually be bi, but leans like heavily towards women now. But she was definitely married to a man, I believe. I, I think I'm remembering that correctly. Um, what did you think about how, um, one, she goes to Blockbuster a lot. So definitely not something in this century. Um, <laughs> but, but two, she's getting catcalled by that construction worker. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of gross behavior that is common I did kind of like when she called him in the end and he was like whoa lady I'm married yeah she comes up to him and she's like oh you got what I need well I need to get laid and he's like hey settle down she's like I'll talk no action blah 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 and I feel like um I feel like that might be something that you would not be it would not be totally out of character if you did something like that. I do. (laughs) I do engage with street harassers. But but you usually do it very aggressively. (laughs) Yeah. I've never been able to come up with something 
clever or even necessarily coherent, except for that one guy that I yelled at. Um, let's let's talk about Samantha. Um, yeah, she has some internalized misogyny. Speak to that. You're always making me say things about this stupid show. I hate it. Yeah, that's the point of this. <laughs> you signed up for this. Yeah. So that you would get therapy and watch Adventure Time. That's all I've ever wanted no, to do. therapy wasn't part of the deal. Adventure Time was. But everybody here heard me beg you to go and you finally gone. But that conversation started before we did this. Yeah, like years and years and years and years ago. Anyway, so Carrie and Samantha are doing yoga because Carrie does not have anything to do besides uh like she's getting her nails done with Miranda and she's going to dinner with Charlotte and she's doing yoga with Samantha just at that one class. Cause she doesn't seem to go back to the classes for the rest of the episode. And Samantha is saying like, yeah, you're absolutely supposed to uphold uh, the standard of the male gaze and be this unattainable uh, imaginary mythical woman like creature who doesn't poop or poot or she says douche which is no one should um because that's not what the man wants the man wants the magazine cover lady yeah so i feel like in a in a show that was ostensibly speaking to this this wave of feminism about like women who own their sexuality the most sexual person on this show does not seem to really own her sexuality because she's still tying it to the expectations of her partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's just a second wave feminism thing. One of their many problematic things. I, I, I don't know. And I think the big crux here of of Carrie's like crisis with Big is that she's been so afraid to be herself with him. And I don't know that any of these women are like 100% themselves with their partners. I think that they're all an act. So, you know, Charlotte does this hard to get thing. And then um, uh, um, Miranda turns out her wit and, and trying to be kind of wry and funny. And then Samantha is always very, like, done up and very breathy and very, like, seductive. And none of them, like, talk to men at all like they talk to each other. At all. No. So I don't know how any of them are expecting to have a sustainable long-term relationship when they are just continually in this facade with partners. At what point do they actually let down barriers completely and, you know, sit on the couch in front of their partner like wearing no bra and a dirty t-shirt and being like I'm gonna watch like HGTV and I and like fuck you like that's not I don't think they can do that is that what you did I mean was that your relationship comfort apotheosis I don't know that we have the time today to get into (laughs) when I started to get comfortable in my relationship how far I let things go well, remember last time we talked about your your chemical pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, at some point, 
you're just like, God, I just don't want to shave my legs today, you know? And it's like, it's okay because whoever you're in a relationship with should care more about like you as a whole person rather than if you have hair on your legs, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, there, this whole, everything that they're doing when they're trying to have partners or maintain partnerships is like, how exhausting. Yeah. Cause who cares? Who cares? I don't care. Sometimes I just shave the front parts of my legs, the shins, because that's where I have trouble moisturizing. (laughs) And then I always mean to go back and clean up the sides, but I never do. And it doesn't matter. (laughs) It's not always in the winter. So sometimes for a week or so, I walk around with uh, just like landing strips up the fronts of my legs. Nobody cares. No. Nobody looks at you. Nobody cares about you. There is more worth to you than this the state of your legs. Mm-hmm. Feminism. Yay. So without necessarily tying it back to this show. Are the- there any trans women in this show that are not like a joke? And there haven't I- been any so far. Well, I mean, how prevalent were trans women in any media at this time? I don't know. I wasn't allowed to watch TV. Not. No, I don't think I saw very many um, people who are trans represented on TV until probably within the last like five to ten years. And especially like the last three to five years. Um, I see trans people are gender queer, gender non-conforming people on TV, um, still in very, very small amounts because it's new and representation is not a priority of a lot of creators, but it's happening. Um, I don't think this was happening in the nineties. This show is not what it says it is on the box. Um, So let's just touch on the two things that got the survey responses. Um, The real quick one will be the poor communication part. Um, So Carrie is like, Big won't have sex with me. So I'm going to show up to his house. You do. You quieten your voice whenever you say the word sex or fucking or doing it. Or the act. I don't know why. You're the Victorian ghost. Oh, shut up. You are. So, Carrie... Be be gone, ghost. Hey. Away, spirit. Stop it. That's not going to do anything (laughs) except hurt me. (laughs) Yeah, because spirits don't like that. Carrie shows up at Big's house. She calls him first, but she gets all done up with the, like... It's projection. That's why you started calling me a Victorian ghost. You're the Victorian ghost. Carrie shows up at Big's house with the intention of, like, having sex. There, I said it loudly. Um, and she's, like, done up. Then he, she calls him and says, can I come over? And he's, like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so she shows up and she's, like, let's do this. And he's, like, uh, yeah, well, I'm actually, like, watching um, a boxing match and, like, eating chips. So, like, I mean, this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to just drop everything. And she turns into this, like, clingy toddler who is, like, desperately trying to like get on his lap and kiss him and stuff like that um 
and he's obviously irritated by it, but she won't quit. She she looks like a child in this scene, which is really disturbing because mm-hmm. there's an obvious like sexual motivation for her. I mean, to be fair, he does remove her from his lap or couch. Yeah, I don't know. He's fighting the child off. While eating Um, chips and watching two men hit each other in the face. And then she's like, fine, I guess I just don't fit into your perfect life. And she goes out into his hallway and, like, gives him 10 seconds to come out and apologize as if he did anything wrong. I mean, he was a little, like, he was a little bit of a dick, like, saying, God, Carrie, get get off me. Um, But I don't think that I'm going to hold that against him too much. Because, like, she was being obnoxious. Um. And not uh, abiding by his wishes. And so he had to escalate. Um, so that sucks. And so she doesn't call him. He doesn't call her. And she's like, I guess this is over or whatever. So I'm going to paint my ceiling. So Carrie's a great, a terrible communicator. Yeah. And she's our age. Yeah. Um, but then he shows up and he's like, well, you could have called me too. And then like he sees her neighbor's screwing and then he's like screwing's great let's screw <laughs> and then uh, ostensibly they do yep so the other poll response we had didn't have I think a real clear um, example on this episode I think there are going to be episodes that does come up but Um, Let's talk about white feminism for just a moment. Okay. Let's talk about how white feminism is uh, an extension of white supremacy. So white feminism is, um, I think you see a a lot of conversations around this in the last year or so, especially around um, like the election. I think it was really a big deal. Um, White feminism is a, a critical term applied to women who seem to only focus their feminist energies on like the big three or four issues that hit white women. So like wage equality and reproductive rights and like, I don't know, paid, paid maternal leave and things like that. And like, those are all, you know, issues that are important. However, <laughs> that is not the like end of the the line when it comes to issues that affect women because it completely ignores all of the other issues that affect women of color or um, other like um, sexual orientations or like gender identities and things like that. So it's just like, it's a very myopic and like very narrow view of um, what matters to women and what to advocate for when it comes to like the, the causes of feminism. So I guess that's, is that an okay definition? Yeah, I think so. I mean, so, I'm only half white, so you, you've got my 50% approval. Well, I feel like if there's anybody who can better explain or say, yeah, that's white feminism and you like really suck at being inclusive and intersectional would be a non-white woman, right? Yeah. Or a, or a non-cis woman, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think there's nothing in this particular episode that speaks to that, but um, the series as a whole is trying to poise itself as this, like, I don't know, cultural, 
like a progressive touchstone for the modern women's liberation movement. And the fact that it's set in a major American city and it has no women of color, um, no queer women um, in, I'm fairly certain we'll see no trans women either. It is incredibly um, narrow in its depiction of what the female experience is. Mm -hmm. And these, I mean, they don't even discuss women who are like working class. Like they're not even like being comprehensive when it comes to white women. They're, they're looking at a very narrow definition of, of, of women within the class of white women. Yeah, so it's just a shitty show. Yeah. Anyway, any, oh, you, you said you were going to try to find one thing in every episode you liked. I, I couldn't. You couldn't? I couldn't. Not even Carrie's David Bowie shirt. Uh, I don't like that she wore that multiple times, but it always looked fresh and clean. So, no. Yeah, she was painting her house while wearing it. Yeah, she somehow gets paint on her face, but not on her clean shirt. Well. Okay. I thought you'd find something to like. I liked how bad Cynthia Nixon's jeans were when she went and dropped off that blockbuster video. Oh my god, they were terrible. Yeah. That was amazing. So I guess I liked how awful those jeans are. It's like they're deliberately dressing her to be in the least flattering clothes ever. Yeah, it's like a jeans with a cinched waist and narrow legs but a really big ass piece. The ass piece is the back of the pants where the pockets go. Yes, I'm sure that's the actual term for it. It is. The, oh, wait, no. <laughs> the seat. The seat of the pants is too big. That is the word that I am looking for. You're, you're good at words. <laughs> ass piece is a... You knew what I meant when I said I, it. I did know what you meant, which is why I didn't say anything. Everyone should know what you meant. Yep. The ass piece of the pants. The piece of the pants that separates chaps from pants. Okay. Should we talk about Adventure Time? Yeah. Let's talk about Adventure Time. All right. So the first episode we watched was Donnie. Mm -hmm. And... I did really explain the plot of the Sex and the City episode, so go ahead and explain the plot of this one. So, Finn and Jake are doing safety patrol. They're just patrolling the grasslands for uh, safety issues that they can quash. And they come upon this grass ogre, and he is terrorizing a little town where everybody in the town is houses, or a bank, or a jailhouse, or a little doghouse. They're adorable. Yeah, it's super cute. And Donnie's uh, just just really being a jerk. And then when he's called on it, he gets upset because everyone else is the real jerks. Do you have any thoughts on this episode? Um, He's a grass ogre who has like a strategically placed leaf around his genitals. Yeah. 
Um, and I was unsure if that was just like part of him or part of what was happening. Like he was wearing it. Until Maybe later. that was his genitals. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's not good. He needs to see a doctor. <laughs> um, so um, Finn, again, is like, I. there's a problem and I need to fix it. Which is a common theme for him because mm-hmm. he's, he's a hero. He's a good guy. Yeah. I uh, can relate. Can't, I we mean, just talked about it. Yeah, but I think you don't just like jump in and start with the heroism before finding out all the facts. But Finn is like very reactionary. Well, I'm 34 and he's 12. <sighs> anyway, um, and when I was bring- 12, I did jump into things without a lot of thought or all the facts. I can still not picture you as a child. So I did used to be a child. I look basically like I do now and I talk the same and I talk about the same things. Um, but here's a story that dovetails into general feminism. One time in fifth grade, I was at the playground after school. Uh, and I was playing with my my little poodle dog, Rufus. And there were a couple boys who were also in my class who were also playing in the park after school. Well, I don't know, parents did stuff, PTA, whatever. And these boys started throwing rocks and pine cones at my puppy dog. So I put him in our Nissan Sentra and closed the door so he would be safe. And then I attacked both of the boys. And the next day, I was the only one who got called into the principal's office and was told that I was a bully. That's the whole story of me jumping into things when I was about that age. So they bring Donnie home. (laughs) Um, Finn and Jake bring Donnie home. Um, to get him away from the little houses he's terrorizing and to like fix him to to make it so he's not such a jerk and um, Jake is like I don't know about this and one of my favorite parts of the episode is they are working on trying to like teach Donnie empathy with a song that doesn't really describe empathy super well but okay (laughs) um and then Finn hears something. He's like, someone needs our help. Um, I'll go see what the issue is. And, and Jake, you stay here and teach Johnny how to be good. And like Jake is like, switch me roles. Switch, <laughs> switch me jobs. Because he doesn't, he doesn't want to teach Donnie these things. He's got questions about it. And also, of the two of them in a, in a like combat situation, Jake has like powers. <laughs> so it makes more sense for him to go out solo. <laughs> um so it's pretty funny. Um, but when um, Finn goes out and sees what's going on, it turns out that because um, because Donnie was emitting this like noxious gas, he um, was just kind obnoxygen. of noxygen. Obnoxygen. He was more like mildly bothersome to the house people. Well, I can hear myself with your 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 echoing through the phone to me. Um. Anyway, I'm fine from here. Anyway. 
um, with Donnie absent, it, it disrupts the ecosystem, and these werewolves can now come why in. Why wolves? Why? Um, excuse me. You know, um, you know the podcast I talk about every once in a while, "Too Beautiful to Live." Uh huh. They played the whole scene where that one why wolf is describing the ecosystem. Oh, really? And I didn't know what it was from, but they played the whole like with with Donnie Khan, now we are free to do blah 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 and I'm like huh I don't know what this drop is but it's uh, kind of interesting and now I'm like oh I recognize that and we can know. attack the houseies they call the little house people the houseies and the werewolves are why werewolves oh my god you know I know them as one term my whole life and they go and they change it on me because <laughs> it's a different animal um, they are far more destructive than Donnie was. So it's bad. Jake runs home, or Finn runs home. My God, am I going to, you asked me about that last time. Am I ever going to get them straight? No, I'm not. Finn runs home and is like, Donnie, you need to go out and be a jerk again. But Jake, in like 10 minutes, has been very effective <laughs> and, and got Donnie to behave like a perfect gentleman. Yeah, he's wearing jeans out of which his he, genitals, out of which he pulls the leaf. <laughs> so maybe he yanks off his leaf dick <laughs> he's a grass ogre he can probably just grow it back in the springtime <laughs> um and he says like i don't want to be a jerk anymore i said no i hope you're gonna respect my decision and the next scene is feeling <laughs> jake dragging him <laughs> <laughs> oh boy that's questionable but okay yeah um donnie's donnie's ask was really reasonable would please let me determine my own life now uh, and they bring him back and the way that they get him to act like a jerk now is to basically insult him and and destroy his ego mm-hmm. um make everybody laugh at him yeah including the houses which are being like in in the process of being assaulted by the white wolves they're like this is funny though um so it works. Donnie releases that obnoxygen again. The Y-Wolves leave. Things are back to normal. Uh, he... <laughs> okay, that was pretty funny, too. At the beginning of the episode, he takes one of the chickens that they have, and he starts squeezing it so it, like, shoots eggs at the houses. Uh-huh. And the guy's like, careful, chickens are rental. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how chickens work, either, by the way. They don't just have, like artillery in their systems that make them shoot eggs out i don't think we need to explain that do i just i feel like our 15 listeners kind of get it i just want people to be able to picture this if they haven't seen it okay um all things are basically back to how they were before um no thanks to finn's intervention yeah except for donnie does have you know he he's found a new side of himself and he is a little sad when Finn leaves. Um, so I thought this episode was um, kind of funny. And I also liked that it kind of um, deflated Finn as a hero again. That things didn't just turn out perfectly for him this time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I found this to be an enjoyable episode. Yes, and I too found it to be quite acceptable. Good. Anything I, else on I that think one? The next episode is really fun. 
I um I quite enjoyed the next episode. I want to hear Marceline finish her song from the next episode. The song that she does at the at the Duke of Nuts the party second his... son's first first birthday. Yeah. Um so this one is um Marceline glimpses uh Finn and Jake and she um had do you think that the henchman that she had the old guy was genuinely her henchman no she said at the end he's just a diving buddy oh i didn't hear that how did i not hear that i don't know no at the very end finn said what about that old guy and she said oh no he's just an old diving buddy oh okay so he was kind of a patsy for the plot that she was trying to get um... yeah he was in on the joke okay so what finn observes is that Marceline has this henchman and he's an old man he is just um forced to do Marceline's bidding and he is in pain and he's tired and he's crying and Finn's like I want him released of his obligation and even if that means I'm I'm your henchman now and like Marceline calls him a do-gooder and she like has all the criticisms of him that I do <laughs> um <laughs> which is it's good it's like she holds a mirror up to him a little bit um and she um accepts his terms releases the old dude and makes makes finn do shit for her which all of the things that she asks of him or demands of him um appear to be violent at first or destructive but they all turn out to be good or like benign at the end so the first thing that she makes him do is to go into this house so that she can eat. And it appears that she's going to suck the blood of this house's occupant. And Finn is like wrestling with the fact that he bound himself to uh, obey her, but he also doesn't want anyone to die. So yeah, Mar- he's, he's in his first real morally gray area. Uh, so Marceline um, pins this, this, I think it's a man. That- yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like a shriven humanoid. She pins them down. Let's use the gender neutral. Um, and looks like she is um, going for the neck to suck blood. But she just sucks the color red out of the bow tie that this person is wearing. Mm-hmm. And the owner of the bow tie is thrilled at having a white tie now. Yes. And it does look kind of like a bra. It does. um and that's kind of like the nature of the tasks that they have um and and finally finn like catches on that everything she's asking of him looks like it's evil like kill a cute thing or do this or do that but it's all to like forestall a greater evil or to be like i'm storming the gates of the castle because i'm bringing a party to them no she's sacking the nut house okay yeah and i yeah oh i forgot about that play on words but they said sack the nuts and sack the nut house so many times (laughs) she (laughs) she raises like an army of the dead and it does look quite menacing but no they just go in there like partying i just enjoyed how how many times they you know let you think they were saying nut sack (laughs) Um, also, another part of this episode I found kind of funny was how afraid of Marceline Jake is. 
Yeah, he's he, afraid of vampires. Well, <laughs> she was playing against it quite a bit. And um, he would get himself all geared up to, like, attack. And then as soon as she started to, like, be like, oh, what's that noise? He, like, shrink down. And um, his fear would win out, which is, it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd run away. Also, the dimple plant. Oh, yeah. Adorable. Until it wasn't. (laughs) Finn should have killed it when Marceline told him to. Yeah, should have killed it when it was cute. So she's got this little, this really cute, like, kawaii-style happy plant that the fruit gives you a dimple. Mm -hmm. And then she tells Finn to take it out back and kill it. (laughs) And he's holding an axe and agonizing with himself about, like, well... The things that she's asked me to do sounded bad, but they weren't bad and everything worked out. But I don't know about killing this little plant. And then the thing grows to a thousand times what it just was and develops a vertical mouth and eats him. Doesn't it all look like a vagina? It really does. <laughs> <laughs> right right when they were sacking the nut house, too. This is a children's show. <laughs> Um, so they, they kill the plant. He emerges from the belly and, uh, he, I think that cements his trust in Marceline. Um, Jake, because of his fear of Marceline doesn't observe a lot of the communication, only bits and pieces. So he sees, um, uh, Finn and Marceline out. Um, she's like on a parasol cause it's sunny and she's a vampire and they are like plotting what to do next. And, and Jake is under the impression that Finn is like under the spell and buys into her evil. So, um, now when, when she loses the umbrella she's carrying and she starts to blister from the sun, was she genuinely in pain or is that just like the theatrics for their little ploy? No, the sun really does hurt her. Mm-hmm. So um, they construct this kind of, um, I don't know, like a little plot to, to give Jake his confidence back. Yeah. So he ultimately appears to have vanquished Marceline, but she is turned into like a vapor bat that winds up in Finn's backpack. Mm-hmm. And she's still alive, but um, Jake jake has like won the day and relieved finn of his obligation yeah because marceline doesn't think it's fun when she's not tricking finn yeah because finn is just a little too smart for her so um i quite liked this episode yeah all the marceline episodes are good um i feel like this was a the best um a presence that she's had so far. Um, well, I think I, we've only seen her once before. Just once? Yeah, I think this is the second episode she's got. Okay. Well, I like I liked her a bit more in this one because she was, I think, a little harder to like in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, um, yeah, I enjoyed these episodes. I don't have much to say. Like the, their plots were were funny and smart, and um, there's more nuance to the storyline than just like Finn sees a problem and he's gonna solve it. And there's all these funny animated characters in the mix. Yep. 
There's more to it. We, I think we're getting close to the end of season one on Adventure Time, too. We are. Um, so that raises the question again. Do we want to just, um, we're going to, next time is our season finale of Sex in the City, I'm pretty sure. But there's still some more episodes of Adventure Time. So do we want to pause in the Sex in the City? I know I asked you before and you said no. Because um, we could do just an Adventure Time episode or... We can keep barreling through. I think just barrel through with the normal pattern or put it to Twitter and have the same four people vote on it until it's a tie. Did you vote? Yes, I did. So three people who weren't us voted. <laughs> I thought you voted too. Nope. Which one did you vote for? I actually voted for white feminism. Huh. I yeah. haven't watched the episode yet. I assume that there was some. And there was, but it wasn't, it was like the water that the fish swims in, not the barnacle of the fish. Okay. I'm very, it's been a week. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, let's um, real quick go into pop culture plugs. Um, things that you are enjoying right now that are not these shows we're forcing ourselves to watch. Oh, uh, Nobody forces me to watch Adventure Time. I love that show. (laughs) Uh, I'm reading The Gift of Fear. It was given to all of us who graduated uh, last week when we had our last class. It is very interesting. I recommend it to... It kind of bums me out, actually, because it's a book of many words that is really just telling me everything that Marceline taught me, which was to just like learn how to read people, listen to your intuition, which I call my Marcy sense and act on it right away. But this is like evidence-based. This is how it all works. Mm-hmm. Book. So I recommend that for people who haven't had a Marcy in their lives. Yep. Um, you're you're kind of my Marcy. Cause oh. I'm, I'm bad at navigating the world. I have to say, I wish I'd had Marcy when I were younger, or this book, or even the women's strength classes. Um, but I'm glad that I had her when I did. I think it's so important what this program is doing. And um, I really liked hearing from the um, woman who is leading the program with the inclusivity that they're planning for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like last year, they are focusing on people who are like um, not necessarily identifying as women. So like gender nonconforming or trans people. Yeah. um, Anybody in the LGBTQ plus community. So, that's so there's a class for for that group specifically offered once a quarter. And then this year she wants to expand the focus to people who um, may have more mobility issues. Um, yeah, so women maybe who use mobility devices specifically. So yeah. chair users, um, you know, walkers, canes. A, a population that um, unfortunately is targeted. Um, and I think it's so important that they are thinking of beyond just like you know, a 30 year old able-bodied woman. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really, I really love the program and I am at your 
influence am starting to consider a little more seriously that maybe I should become a trainer as well. Um, not least of which because the standard women's strengths classes are um, women exclusive, women identifying exclusive. So most of the people in the class are not usually the size of men. And I am quite a bit taller than most women are. And I feel like if uh, a woman wants the experience of trying to like fend off an attacker of that height, maybe, maybe I've got the height required for that. Well, you saw Sarah Frost. She's a tall woman with uh, shorter gray hair mm-hmm. and Elaine. So there are some tall women teaching. Yeah, I think I was at least, I think I might've been a little taller than her. Maybe. She was an, she was an instructor in my course. And I don't think anybody was, I don't think anybody was really able to put me in a in chokehold. Well, everybody was able to put me in a chokehold, but the important part, sorry, strangulation hold. The important part is that I know how to break out of those. Yeah. Also, a woman who, an instructor who I think is about your overall size, I had to do the um, practice ground fighting with her. Mm-hmm. And she put all her weight on me and I was still able to shift her. I had to do a lot of that because I think I might be the smallest person in my cohort. And it's always inspiring to see the smallest person buck the biggest person. Uh, We can't get into like the specifics of what they teach, but for any women who think like I could never you know, fight off an attacker who's much larger than me as they teach methods that you leverage, like, um, what you have available to you despite your size and, um, anybody can do this. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I think it's empowering and so important. Yeah. And Um, it's not just physical skills. It's very holistic, mm trauma-informed, evidence-based, uh, social justice-based program. It gave me um, the confidence. Now, I um, don't think that the person who approached me was um, had any ill intent, but it was still something that I thought was going to be like going beyond my comfort level. Someone I didn't know very well had just met, like offered a hug. And previously, I probably would have just said, yeah, sure, whatever. It's a hug. Who cares? Even though I wouldn't have liked it. But I was able to say, like, I'm sorry, I'm not. A- I didn't I didn't apologize. I said, I'm not re- I'm not really a hugger. And that was it. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. all you have to do. Yep. You get to tell people how much they can engage with you. <laughs> so, yes, because women are taught from basically infanthood that anybody in the world is entitled to a slice of you. And it takes a lot of deprogramming to internalize that your body is your body and it's inviolable. You don't have to ask nicely for somebody to not touch it so on um kind of the same um track of thinking here the pop culture i would like to recommend is the handmaid's tale um i know you haven't seen it yet um for those of you who read the book the first season pretty much sticks to the book um there's some details that wouldn't have been present in the book and um the second season is um definitely not present in the novel so this is um going be beyond that um 
I haven't seen this week's episode yet. By the time that this podcast airs, we'll have seen a couple more episodes. But this um, this season is just oh, um, it's intense. There's a lot of um, discussion about you know, like women's bodies in this show are not their own, like no matter what. And it's, it's scary, but we, we do live in a political climate that um, the autonomy of, of a woman to make her own decisions about reproduction, it's um, eroding at every possible opportunity by certain, you know, legislators. So it's, it's scary to think what could happen. Yeah, I was actually just thinking today, um, I went to a town hall after the election and one of the questions that somebody asked Senator Merkley was she, she said she's a teacher, she teaches younger kids and is she going to be asked to identify undocumented children? Uh And that just came up in the news this week. And I remember thinking even then, uh, in a really amped up state that, Oh, that could never happen. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. There are all these things that have been happening for, gosh, eighteen months or so now, that are just gradually leading up to these things where it's like the 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 um, parable of the frog in boiling water. You throw a frog in boiling boiling water, and they immediately react. But the I don't even know if this is true science, but you put a frog in tepid water and gradually increase the temperature and they'll boil to death. And I think we've been in tepid, but increasingly warm water for a year and a half now. Yeah. Um, We are reaching a point of, I think, crisis um, with how the political landscape is um, actively harming people and ignoring the death of American citizens and destroying families, um, not allowing people to seek asylum in this country without ripping their children out of their arms. It's um, very, it's very scary and it's very sad. Yeah. And we aren't sure what to do. I mean, you can go to demonstrations and contact our reps every day and vote and we do and it just seems like like it's so big and so systemic and this country is so big one thing you can do is never call ice (laughs) (laughs) never call ice um i'm really glad that where we work um we work at it at a um uh, a teaching hospital they made um, a statement that they will never out um, anybody's immigration status um, for anybody who engages with the entire institution. Oh, good. Um, and they also take a stand like they have um, staff representatives going to pride. Um, like there's a lot of problems with our institution because it is large and it's, you know, a slow moving body, but it's, um, and it's hard to change things and but there's a there's a sense of like this place wants to be um ethical and it wants to treat people correctly and it wants people to feel safe to seek medical treatment there so yeah i I appreciate that and it yeah it's got some some bumps but 
um, we're fortunate enough to work directly under someone who, if you say, I think this is problematic, these are the collaborative actions that I'd like to take to ameliorate this throughout the institution, um, then that's, that's like a go every time. Yeah. We, we are I've been there lucky. for a few months. I helped destroy a dangerous curriculum so far. Yeah. This, this, um, this place pays attention to disruptors, but I think we saw evidence of what you experienced was um, a damaging curriculum that nobody just, just nobody spoke up against. People just let it happen. And people probably felt uncomfortable with it, but they were like, whatever, it's not a big enough deal for me to care about, I guess. I feel like anybody could have made the same call that you did before it got to this point and things would have been done, but nobody did. No. So there you go. You needed to be here. You needed to be here to make that happen. Yeah, it's true. Lots of change. It's actually a pretty unpleasant in some environments there for me right now. We're going to make it better. Yep. Eventually. Yep. Just got to get past my probation. <laughs> <laughs> Counting down. We're a team. Yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is. But we'll do what we can to make things right. I don't accept I don't accept when people say, oh, you know just how guys are. Or like, this is how people talk to each other who work in this field or whatever. I don't accept that. No. No one should. If you or anyone you know at any point feels uncomfortable in your workplace scenario, whatever, doesn't have to be like that. Don't accept it as business as usual. I mean, in some situations, it it does, it sucks. Like with my old, old job, um, you know, it was one, the owner of the company who sucked. And then me and Jordan and one to nine other people at any given time. So there's no HR department. Um, This is not a reasonable person for me to talk to. And eventually it drove me away. But you had the option of leaving. And sometimes that is your only option. Um, And sometimes you have to wait it out. Like I had to wait wait out until I could leave. I couldn't just up and go. But it's not, it is not necessarily going to be how it has to be for you forever in those situations yeah and at an institution with like a union and some big guns mm-hmm. it feels safer to to really push mm-hmm. yeah and especially with the specific manager that we have um i've never felt as empowered in a workplace setting as mm-hmm. i do as i do here agree so it's not always pleasant and it's not always easy it's more often a very difficult job with um, some some very big personalities who can be very difficult, but we're we're figuring it out. We're going to get through it. Yeah, big personalities is the code word for a bunch of dicks who don't want to, like, who are intransigent. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I, I'm glad we both had um, some pop culture to discuss that definitely relates a lot to trauma and things we're experiencing in real life. <laughs> Maybe next time we'll talk about like My Little Pony or something. Oh, yeah. I love MLPFIM. I've and, never watched it. Oh, it's so cute and fun. 
And I'm thinking about rewatching um, The Last Airbender. I really enjoyed that series. Um, one thing that Hi, I Hi, guys. I like cartoons. One thing I'm watching that is, like, very not problematic and just kind of, like, a good time and 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 just easy and fun and short is I'm starting to watch a lot more um, YouTubers who are um, doing, like... Um, well, that's how I got into doing my nails so much again is I watched Simply Nail Logical. If anybody knows anything about YouTube, it's, she's the one to go to with a very funny take on doing manicures. And one of her um, collaborators every once in a while, Sophia Nygaard, she does like, um, I bought all of these things that Instagram was trying to sell me to see if they were actually <laughs> worth a damn and stuff like that. Um, so she takes, she takes the risk on, so you don't have to. So, um, she like wore a pair of clear jeans for a week. And oh my gosh. Yeah. Like plastic jeans. And, um, she got a beauty box that was based on like having your period. So it was supposed to like help you keep your skin fresh. And she's like, is this even like worth a damn? Um, and she's got a pretty like, um, reasonable approach to these sorts of things. So you don't have to go out and buy any of this shit because she already did. <laughs> uh, so. I wish a sponsor like Caspit Mortensen's would give us something to review. And Red Pinafore Home Meal Delivery Service. Yeah, or LaCroix. Oh my god, LaCroix. I drink so much seltzer. LaCroix soda. Women. Give give us <laughs> <laughs> What's what's the best LaCroix? Uh coconut for sure. Yeah, coconut has the best like flavor. Yeah. And peach oh pear. I don't really like that one that much. I like peach pear. And then Cranraz is kind of my evening LaCroix. I don't know why. I just associate it with really kicking back and getting ready for bed. Maybe because cranberry is kind of something you drink in fall and fall's a cozy like go to sleep season. Could be. I think maybe we just had a case of it once when I was tired. Uh, I like um, the berry quite a bit as well. Um, I'm drinking off-brand seltzer right now, but um, all seltzer is good seltzer. I think we've established, LaCroix, that if you want a slice of this, you need to send us some soda. Yeah, LaCroix. Please be in contact for our addresses. LaCroix wasn't cool until they changed their labels to that like impressionistic watercolor swatch. Yeah, were, Redux just started picking it up. That that wasn't, they were just the, like sparkling water no one gave a shit about. Imagine how much cooler they could be if they sponsored a podcast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That would be so cool. So cool. Okay. I'd listen to that podcast. <laughs> no, you wouldn't because it's us and you, <laughs> you wouldn't. I can't stand it. <laughs> okay. All right. This podcast has gone on for a long, long time. I, we didn't even spend that much time talking about the shows. You know what? Yeah. I don't care because I had a really good conversation. Yeah, me too. Who gives a fuck about these shows? <laughs> well, I really like Adventure Time. Yeah, I know. Okay. Well, thank you for your time today. Remember to hit us up on Twitter at Sex Time Pod. And we are also Sex Time Podcast on Facebook. We have a page now. We had nine people engage with it. <laughs> If you engage with us on Twitter, you will get your handle read out on the podcast. I'm serious. I will write poems. I'm going to start writing poems for all our followers, whether or not they ask for it. And I'm going to look ahead for a good D&D episode so that we can have uh, Taylor on. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and be sure to connect with Emily and see when she would like to come on. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you again for um, sticking with it, even though, why would you? <laughs> why, why would any of us? <laughs> why do we have, why do we even have a listener? I don't know. I don't know. It's working somehow. (laughs) I don't know. For a person. Okay. (laughs) Well, um, thank you for your time. And um, Badger, I'll see you tomorrow at work, I guess. Yes, I will see you tomorrow at work. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, all of both of you. Thank Thank both of you so much for listening. Good night. Next time. Good night. Good night.